Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you doing today? And it is a joy to be with you here today. Hey, super quick, if this is your very, very first time at any one of our locations, whether you're joining us here at Greenwood or Banta or Franklin or Garfield Park or Seymour, or if you're watching online for the first time or one of our e-microsites, we want to give you a very, very, very special welcome. Can we give it up to all of our first-time guests? We're so glad that you accepted someone's invitation, you're tuning in or at one of our physical locations. Hopefully your, your experience thus far has been a good one and it gets even better. If you're not brand new, welcome back. It's great to see you again. We're wrapping up a series today called The Sixth Sense. And what we've been talking about in this series is that in the same way that there is a physical realm that we live in, that we navigate through, through our five senses, taste, touch, hearing, sight, smell, all that stuff, there is also a spiritual realm. And, and, and here's what's interesting about the spiritual realm or the unseen realm. Our physical, our, our five senses are not very effective in the spiritual realm. In other words, we need a sixth sense in order to navigate the unseen realm. The Apostle Paul said that we walk by faith and not by sight, right? Jesus, when he was being you know, grilled by, by, by Pilate and he was being interrogated He said something interesting in John chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom, say it with me, is from another place. What is he talking about? He's talking about the spiritual realm. Jesus gave us this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth earth as it is done in heaven. Why would we pray that way? We would pray that way because God's will is not being done on earth as it is done in the spiritual realm. And so we're to pray that the spiritual realm invades the physical realm. One time Jesus said this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And all of these other things will be added unto you. What is he saying? He's saying, seek to live with me in the spiritual realm, in the unseen realm, because that is where you were meant to thrive. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. What is he talking about? He's talking about spiritual life in the kingdom of God, living with God every day and drawing from Jesus and from the spirit and from the father a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning. Uh, I'm talking about effectiveness. I'm talking about happiness. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about peace, not of this world, but from another realm. Jesus called it abundant life. He called it eternal life. And that's what you're invited into. And it's the life you were designed to live. However, what we've said in the series is that life 
is opposed. There are forces trying to block you and I from experiencing eternal life and abundant life. In week number one, we talked about the devil. His purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And, to destroy. and he uses deception in order to do that. And I won't go over all of that. That was week number one. Week number two and three, I talked about the internal enemy that we all face, which is the flesh. What is the flesh? It's those desires inside of you and I that feel so right, but are actually wrong. And we talked about how if we're going to defeat the flesh, which by the way, Peter said, wars against our soul, we're going to have to sow into the spirit and we're going to have to choke out the flesh. And we talked about that last week, it literally choked it out. You know, and, and if you missed that, you can go back and check that out. That was kind of a fun talk. So hopefully you did that. How many of you actually worked on choking out the flesh this week? Okay, I need to preach a little bit better. I need to preach a little bit harder. Uh, so, uh, but any, so anyway, I want to talk to you about the third force that's blocking us from experiencing eternal life and abundant life, life in the kingdom, as Jesus uh, referred to it. I want to talk to you today about the world, the world. The world is this third force blocking us or attempting to block us from experiencing eternal life. The Apostle Paul said these powerful words in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Listen to these words. Do not conform to the pattern of this, say it with me, world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. What is he talking about? He's talking about the age that we live in, the world that we know, the time period that we're in has a pattern a way, a system of customs and behaviors. And Paul says, do not allow yourselves to conform to the pattern of this world. I love the way Eugene Peterson translates this verse in his paraphrase, the message. He says this, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. In other words, if you're a Christ follower, he was writing to believers, you shouldn't be swimming with the current of culture. That's what he's saying. Do not conform to the patterns of the current world that you live in. We've defined what the flesh is. In week number one, we defined the devil. I want to define the world for you. What is the world? In your notes, I wrote this. The world is a system of ideas and behaviors that we live in. We have to live in the world. But these ideas and systems or, or behaviors, they're set against God. What am I talking about? Well, let me give you a few examples. Money equals happiness, or the things that you can buy will make you important. These are idea systems that are set against God, but they're powerful idea systems. And when we accept them or conform to them, they literally drive our behavior, and they drive the type of job we, we, we try to attain or the, the type of uh, degree we try to attain in college because we, are, we bought into or we buy into the idea that more money equals happiness or more stuff make, equals significance. These are powerful ideas. Here's another one. Your physical appearance determines your value. How you look makes you important. And so we focus on our bodies and how we look and makeup and all this other stuff we do with our bodies. Why? Because we draw significance from our appearance. Here's another one. We draw significance and identity and importance from our achievements, from what we accomplish and what we do, and from our possessions, what we can purchase and what we can accumulate. These are idea systems that govern our lives that are set against 
God. Let me give you another one. Here's a powerful one that's in the news right now. My body, my choice. That is an idea system that simply says, when I'm pregnant, I have the right to destroy the pregnancy. Okay, that's a thought process. But what if, what if life begins at conception? As this book teaches that it does. At that point, people are arguing that they have the right to destroy a life. That's a thought system that is set against God. Making sense? Do you understand what the world is? We have to understand what the world is. The world is not, listen, listen, the world is not, oh, loud music and, and smoke and lights. See, some people have left our church because they think that's the world. Because <laughs> we have smoke and lights and it sounds like a concert. It's like, that's not the world. That's just loud music with lights and smoke. I mean, it's a way to express our love for God and worship for God. See, we have to understand what the world, the world is a set of idea systems that are set against against God. Paul says, don't allow yourselves to be conformed to the pattern of this world. Why would he say that? In your notes, I wrote it like this. He would say that because when we conform to the world, we distance ourselves from God. Mark my words. We distance ourselves from God. You cannot go the world's way and God's way at the same time. They're opposite directions. John the apostle, the closest disciple to Jesus, wrote the book, wrote the Gospel of John, then he also wrote the epistle, the epistles of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Listen to what he wrote in 1 John chapter 2. Do not love this world. What is the world? It's the idea systems and behaviors that are set against God. Do not fall in love with this world, nor the things that this world offers to you. He's gonna list those in just a second. Why? For when you love the world, and then he makes this incredible statement that should cause all of us to just pause and go, wow. Because when you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Now, the goal of the Christian life, if you're a Christ follower, I know not everybody is here watching in all of our campuses. Our hope is that you would become one. But if you're a Christ follower, if you're a disciple, not a fan, but a follower. We talked about that, remember, in the previous series. The goal is for you to have the love of God inside of you. The goal is for you to walk in the spirit. The goal is for you to live in the kingdom. The goal is for you to walk in step with the spirit, to be arm in arm, to be an apprentice of Jesus, to go where he goes, to do what he does, to think what he thinks. And John is saying, when you fall in love with the world systems, you walk away from God. In fact, the love of God is not inside of you, which all of us should go, Whoa, that's not what I want, yes? In fact, can we all do that at all of our locations really quick? Can we do it together, ready? One, two, three, whoa! Time out, we should be like, time out! Am I in love with the world? We gotta ask ourselves that question. And then John defines what the world offers. Listen to what he says, here's how you'll know. For the world offers a craving for physical pleasure, which is, by the way, why we see an absolute explosion of pornography all over this planet. It's the quickest hit of pleasure you can get, and it's totally free, and you can have it in, the, in your hand in seconds. That's the world system, right? The craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything we see. Have you heard of Amazon? <laughs> 
It's just people getting on there, bye, 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 bye. UPS, and the UPS is going to be around forever because we can't stop buying stuff. And the pride of our achievements and our possessions. Now, as a dude, here's what's interesting about dudes. When you go to the gym or wherever you go, you hang out, wherever dudes hang out. It's, it's, it's a matter of, of seconds before you meet a new dude and, and, and you're talking about what that dude has achieved or what he owns. Can, can, can we just be honest, fellas? That's what we do, right? Well, what do you do? How much do you make? What, do, what have you done? Like, it's, it's a matter of seconds before they're talking about their golf score or their bench press <laughs> or how many people they have working for them at their business. So yeah, it's like, what, that's what, that's, what is that? That is the world. We value that stuff. That's what it offers. John says, when you fall in love with the world, you go the opposite direction of God, which we should say, whoa, it's not what we want. James, the brother of Jesus, I love to quote James, and here's why I love to quote James, because James grew up in the same house as Jesus. Can you imagine growing up as Jesus' brother? You're sharing a bedroom, you know what I'm saying? You watch him go through puberty. He's popping pimples, and you look at him like, dude, that's gross. That's, I mean, seriously, like they're brothers. James and Jesus were brothers in the same household, right? And then later on, a couple years later, he's like, oh, by the way, I'm the son of God. <laughs> right, you're the son of God. No, you're not. What's interesting is that James finally did come to believe that his brother was the son of God, and then he became one of the greatest leaders in the church, and then he wrote a letter in the New Testament, and he called it James. Love to quote James. Listen to what James says. James says, you adulterers, which we ought to go, what? You're calling me an adulterer? That's a powerful word. An adulterer is someone who's, who, who cheats on their spouse with somebody else's spouse or, 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 or takes someone else's spouse and has sex with them. It's like, what? Why would you call me an adulterer? He's really referring to us as spiritual idolaters, cheaters on God. He says, don't you realize that when you cheat on God, when you love the world, when you become a friend of the world system, you make yourself an enemy of God, again, to which we should all go, whoa. And then he repeats himself, like, just in case you didn't hear me, let me say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. This is incredibly graphic language James is using. Why? He wants to get our attention. He wants us to understand that you cannot follow Jesus and be a friend of the world system at the same time. It's impossible. You will have hostility between you and God. That's what the word enemy means. There'll be friction. There'll be fighting between you and God. In what sense? In the sense that God hates you because you become a friend of the world and now he's your enemy? No. Listen, if God hated sinners, we'd all be in big trouble. Do you agree? God loves sinners. Have you heard? For God so loved the world, the world, the people in it, right? That's me, that's you. It's not, we don't have, we're not enemies of God because he hates us. We're enemies of God, and I wrote it like this in your notes, because we choose to live the wrong script. See, here's what's true about you and me. Everything that we do in our lives whether it's our relationships or the way we handle money or the way we, our work ethic at the job or, or the way we treat our parents or the way we treat our siblings or whatever it is that we do with our bodies, the food that we eat, every single action we take is motivated by a script in your mind. We think, we feel, and we do, or we act. The only question is, which script is governing your life? 
But we all have a script. Is it God's script? Is it the scriptures? Is it truth? Are we acting out what God says is best or his ways? Or is it satanic in nature? Is it the script of the devil? You say, why are you bringing up the devil? Wasn't that in week number one? It was. <laughs> but let me ask you this question. Where do you think the world gets its system of ideas? See, the devil was a liar from the beginning. He's a father of lies. When he deals with us, he, he gives us ideas and ideas that are false, and those are called lies. And that's what we have pervading the entire planet today about our identity, about where life is found. He's lying, 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 and then the world adopts those ideas, and they become the, cult, the ideas of the culture. And he does that in order to take you away or to block you from eternal life. Did you know that, that Jesus referred to Satan as the ruler of this world? Listen, John chapter 12, verse 31. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, watch this, the ruler of this world will be cast out. It hasn't happened yet, but Satan will be cast from this world in the future. But right now, guess who's in charge? Guess who's in charge? The devil. He's in charge of what? The idea systems of the world. And he filters them to us, and then we propagate them and put them all over the place and put them on the news and put them everywhere we go. These ideas come straight from hell. Did you know that Paul called the devil the God of this world? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Satan, who is the, watch this, God of this world, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Some of you have friends out there that are not believers in Christ. And the reason why they're not believers in Christ is because of this, this way of thinking. Listen to this script. Ready? Watch this. If God was good and God was all-powerful, then he would eliminate evil. But he has not eliminated evil. Little kids die of cancer. Riley Hospital is filled with them. And there are dictators who kill millions of people. And there's hatred all over this planet. And there's murder. Therefore, either God is not good or he does not exist. That's a powerful script. Where do you think that came from? Watch this. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. That is a powerful script. And there are other dozens and dozens of, dozens of other scripts out there that you and I are buying into that are blocking us from this eternal life and abundant life and life in the kingdom. Wow. What people don't realize when it comes to that demonic script is that it's not true. And let me explain it to you really quick. You see, God is love. His very nature at the core, I did a series on this many, many months ago, at the core of who God is, at the center of his being, he's many things, but at the core of what he is, he's mercy and he is love. Well, by default of God's character, he is love, he needed an object to love, hence you. Why does God create humans? He creates humans in order to express his love to them because he is love. Well, in order for a human to receive that love, the human, you and me, must have a choice to say yes to that love or to say no to that love. And if we didn't have that choice, then it wouldn't be love. We would be all what? We would be robots. And God didn't create robots because that wouldn't be love. So he creates a being like you, like me, who can actually make a choice and respond to Christ and respond to the love offered to us. But we can also say no. But if we say no, what are we going to say yes to? We have to say yes to evil. Hence the devil. 
You see, if people would just pause and think through some of these ideas, they would see that, wait a second, that script is not true. There is a truth out there, and there is an answer to these things. But I'll tell you what, the God of this world is effective. Satan is effective with these scripts, and he is blocking people from receiving eternal life and abundant life. See, what Satan does is he battles in the, in the, in the area of ideas. Satan is not interested in creating a church, first church of Satan down the block, you know what I'm saying, on the corner of Smith Valley and 135. No. No, he's not interested in starting a church where everybody's got 666 tattooed in their arm and they're, hail, they're saying, hail Satan. Dude, he's not interested. He's, he doesn't want a church. What he wants is for people to follow his script. He doesn't even care if you acknowledge his existence. He doesn't even want you to say, oh, there is a devil. He doesn't, he doesn't care. All he wants you to do is believe his lies. And so you and I have to battle these lies. Some of us don't even know they exist. Some of us don't even understand what the world is, that we live in a, in a world where there's a system of ideas that are set against God that we're conforming to, and it's blocking us from eternal life. So what do we do? Two ideas I want to give you to help you out today. Number one, we have to change the script. We've got to change the script. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Great, awesome. We get it, because when we conform to the pattern of this world, it, it, it distances us from God. Okay, but how do we do that? Well, look, look what he says in the next sentence. But be transformed. This word transformed is this word metamorpho in the Greek. We get our English word metamorphosis, describing the, the process of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, which is literally what we're supposed to be doing, turning into the person we are, into a Christ-like person. We are transformed by how? By doing what? By renewing our, say it with me, our minds. What is Paul saying? He's saying you have to change the script. You have to get new thoughts in your mind about what? About life, about relationships, about sexuality, about how to parent your children, about how to handle money, about how to handle stress and how to handle a situation where someone hurts you or wounds you. We've got to get new ideas about everything. And this is how we become a brand new person. We change the script. And when we do that, watch what happens. Paul says this in the next sentence. Then, when you renew your mind, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Remember we said earlier what Jesus gave us this prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. How am I supposed to know what the will of God is? What does God want to do? I got to change the script. I got to get rid of the old script on sexuality and put in a new script on sexuality. I got to get rid of the old script on relationships, get a new script on relationships. I got to get rid of the old script on how to do how, my work ethic and get a new script on my work ethic. Then we'll be able to test what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Is this making sense? We have to change the script. Today, I mentioned pornography, and I talk about it a lot, because if you really do the research, it is an unbelievably horrific problem in our society today. It is destroying Hearts, character, marriages, families, it's tearing, it's tearing the fabric of our society apart. I, I am not exaggerating. And so I have people in this church that, that, that come to me and say, Pastor, I don't, I don't know how to get free from pornography. How, how, would I, how do I do that? I, I know it's wrong. I shouldn't do it. But, you know, it's so accessible and it's addictive. And how do I do that? Well, it's really not a porn problem. It's an idea problem. 
See, behind pornography, there is an idea system, and it's an idea system from hell. Satan has perfected it. And here's the idea system. Maybe you've never thought about it like this before. The idea idea system behind pornography is this, that human beings that you do not know can appear in a scream without clothes performing sexual acts for your sexual gratification. That's an idea. You do not know them, and their purpose for you is to gratify your sexual desires. Are you okay with that idea? Is that idea even true? Is it from heaven? Is it from hell? See, we just think we're looking at something like, oh, this makes me feel good. Oh, there's a whole idea system there. We've basically taken a human being and we've lowered them down to, we've degraded them into an object. Like, like you go to the restaurant and you say, I'll take the, the steak. How do you want it cooked? Medium well. That's what pornography is. We've taken a human being and we've degraded them to a piece of meat. You with me? That is an idea system. Is it true? Well, when we look in the Bible, it's in my pocket. <laughs> When we look at the Bible, we see something totally different. We see that that human beings are created in the image of God to bring honor and glory to God. That's That's their purpose. And you can't do that when you're making pornography. It's the complete opposite. And then we, as individuals, are called by Jesus and by God to love our neighbor. What does that mean? To do what's best for them. Well, how can you do what's best for them when you're consuming pornography? So you, they're out of place, they're not fulfilling their purpose, and you're out of place, you're not treating people correctly. The whole idea system is broken down. When you understand that, you can walk away from it. Because you've changed the script. Did you know the Apostle Paul said to, uh, to Timothy, his young protege, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, he said, Timothy, here's the deal. I want you to treat every younger woman as your sister, and I want you to treat every older woman as your mother. Why would he say that? Because you do not sexualize your relationship with your sister and you do not sexualize your relationship with your mother. He changed the script. He said, you will stay far away from any sexual sin if you can just have the different script in your mind. The only script in your mind will be respect, honor, and purity. Wow. This is what we have to do in our lives. We've got to change the script. Yes? Make sense? But that's not it. That's not it. We have to change the script, go down the list in all the different areas. We also have to cut ties. Last week I talked about choking out the flesh. That was a lot of fun. Now we got to take an axe and we got to cut ties with the world system. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. May I never boast or brag about anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoa. We boast about a lot of things. Paul says, I don't want to boast about anything but what Jesus did on the cross. Why? Because through that cross, the world, this is such a powerful statement, the world, remember what the world is, an idea system set against God, the world has been crucified to me. It died to me. And I have been crucified to it. I died to it. What is Paul saying? The idea systems of the world have nothing to do with me anymore. There has been a death, there has been a crucifixion, there has been a cutoff. Now this is a massive statement for Paul because, because if you know a little bit about Paul, he was a master Jewish, uh, master at the, at the Jewish religion. 
He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had all of the accolades. He had all of the achievements. People respected him. People honored him. He had the greatest teachers, the greatest tutors. Like he went as far as you can go in the Jewish religion. And he had all the respect. And he was a Roman citizen. And he was the man. And you know what Paul says? All of that, Philippians chapter 3, all of those accomplishments according to the world system are dung. You know what dung is? <sighs> It's in the Bible, Philippians chapter three, you can look it up. It's poop, that's what it is. It is animal poop. He says, all of this stuff is worthless to me compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and count them as, you know what. He says, the world is crucified to me and I unto the world. And that is what you and I need to do with the world system. We need to cut it off, cut ties with it. I remember years ago, uh, I, was, I was 19 years old or so in my uh, first year of college, and all I ever wanted to do in high school was play college basketball. That was my dream, and I also wanted to have a pretty girlfriend. Those were the two things. That was my, those were my goals. And, um, and so I got recruited by New York University to play basketball out of high school, and so I went there my freshman year, and at the same time, God invaded my life and I put, gave my heart to Jesus and put my trust in him. So all of this was kind of coming together at one time. I, I was starting college and I was also starting this new relationship with God. And so I played my freshman year at NYU and it was fine and I was you know, the young guy on the team and so I got minimal, minimal playing time but it was still good and I was getting, getting better and all that stuff. And, but man, I was starting to get interested in spiritual things. Like my heart was being pulled towards the Bible and towards God and, and I felt this tension. I still loved basketball, but I wanted to, and I wanted to pursue you know, the spiritual side of me now. And so I, one day I ran into a friend at church who actually got recruited by Liberty University out of high school, a guy that I played with. He was a few years ahead of me. And he said something to me uh, just off the cuff. He said, hey, mate, you should transfer to, to Liberty and play basketball there. I was, and then you could learn about your faith and all this stuff. And I was like, oh man, but they didn't recruit me and it's division one and NYU is division three and I just don't know if I could play at that level. But I really wanted to go. And so I transferred, transferred to Liberty University. And I did one of those Rudy things. You know, you ever watch Rudy? It's like, they don't know your name. They don't know who you are. They haven't given you any money, but you show up for tryouts. And so I showed up for tryouts. There's like 50 guys there. And I worked my butt off. And I, I, I made the team. Out of two guys out of 50, I made Liberty's team. And, you know, they were going to redshirt me, all this stuff. It's not like they handed me a jersey and said, hey, you're going to start at the, uh, the shooting guard uh, this, this, this week. But that wasn't like that. It was like, hey, sit on the bench over there and, and don't say anything. Anyway, <laughs> I made the team. And, and I felt this tension inside because I wanted to pursue my relationship with God, but Division I basketball was like a full-time job. And you're lifting weights and you're watching film and you're going to practice every single day, every single day. And so I was doing that for a while and I loved it and all that stuff, but I also wanted to, and I felt this tension like I couldn't give basketball up. Then one day I was at practice and I was hustling and six months in and run over to court, mid-court, coach wanted somebody to like do something, and I was, you know how Rudy did it, right? It's like, yes, sir, I'm here, and he's like, what's your name again? And I was like, what? You don't know my name? So that really helped me to move past basketball. It helped me to realize that what was going on, and the reason why I couldn't let it go was because there was an idea system behind it. And here was the idea system, and maybe you can relate, those of you who played sports and maybe you're still playing sports today. 
My value was tied to what I could do on the court. And if I left the court, then I had no value. So I couldn't leave. I couldn't walk away because I was trapped by an idea that I had embraced. This is what humans do. Forget about sports. This, is, this story isn't about sports. This story is about an idea system. My value was in my performance on the court. And if I leave the court, then who am I? I was so thankful that at that exact time in my life, I was learning about where my true value came from. And it wasn't from basketball. It wasn't from anywhere else. It wasn't from getting a pretty girlfriend or being the popular kid. It was from who Christ told me I was. He said, you are my son. You're my child. And I started to draw value from my relationship with God, which allowed me to let go of basketball. Now, I still love basketball. I play today, but I don't play for value. Well, sometimes I do. <laughs> We're all on a journey. Here's my point. What idea systems have trapped you that are not true? What script is governing your life when it comes to your relationships or your sexuality or your job? So many people go for certain careers and jobs because of this script right here. You make a lot of money, make six figures. Really? Is that, is that the script in the book? but it's gonna govern your life and what career you go into and what job you take, right? We really have to ask ourselves, what script is governing our lives? See, here's what, here's what John taught about the world. The world system is temporary. In fact, after he says, do not love the world nor the things in the world, because if you love the world, the love of God is not inside of you. Remember he said that? I just quoted that, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. You know what he says in the next verse? Look at this, verse 17. And the world is passing away with all of its desires. Physical pleasure, the things that you can see, you know, possessions, pride in your possessions and your achievements, all that stuff is going to go away. But whoever does the will of my Father does what? Abides forever, lives forever. So here's the choice we have. We can pursue the will of God, we can pursue God's plan for our lives, or we can pursue the world. We can't do both. If you pursue the will of God, you'll live forever. If you pursue the world, you'll pass away with it. I grew up in Staten Island. Staten Island, New York is infamous for the dump. <laughs> it is. It is. Back in the 90s, Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, Manhattan, they all shipped their trash to you know where, good old Staten Island. And it was building up by the truckloads every day. Barges would come and we'd get every... Can you imagine all of the trash of New York City coming to one place? It was building and building and building and building. And back in the 90s, the, in the, especially in the summer times, it would be so hot. The, the, the sun would cook the trash. And literally almost the whole island was, smelled like trash. Putrid. Along with all the dead bodies that the mafia were dumping into the dump as well. True story, true story. Lots of dead bodies in that dump. I don't know why I just said that. Anyway, <laughs> they finally closed down the dump. They, they laid some seed and now there's trees on it. Looks like a golf course, it's not. But here's my point. I'm so glad that I got to see that because what it reminded me of all the time was that everything we own 
<laughs> ends up in the dump. <laughs> Have you seen the latest Corvette? Man, this thing's sweet. You seen that? It's like a, it's like a Ferrari for people who can't afford a Ferrari. When I see one, I go, ooh, Mufasa. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I get shivers. <laughs> and and, and here's, here's the thing about the world. It's not a sin to have one of these. I've got a friend who has one of these. He showed me the engine is in the trunk. It's unbelievable. It's not a sin to have a Corvette. It's, 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 it's a mistake to pursue material possessions because they all end up in the dump. One day, the sports cars and all the stuff, you ever see those machines that squish them down into cubes? It all passes away. But whoever does the will of my Father abides forever. I just wanna, I just wanna abide forever. I want eternal life and abundant life. How about you? And if we're gonna do that, we, we have to avoid being conformed to the pattern of this world. My question today is, what script are you gonna live by? Are you gonna live by Satan's script? Or are you gonna live by God's script? I plead with you, I plead, have enough wisdom to listen to the words that I'm saying today and make a shift in your life. Become aware of the idea systems that have been pouring into your mind that you've bought into and do not conform to them. Change the script and cut ties with it and pursue a different mental map for your life, a different script. This is what I did years ago when I was 18 years old. I don't know why this happened. It's probably my mom's prayers. I mean, I mean that's really the only explanation. My mother's praying for me because I was pursuing the world. I really was whether that was achievements through sports or, or being the popular kid or just physical pleasure or whatever. I was just a hedonist. And then God invaded my life and, and started to, to draw me towards the unseen realm, if you could say that, the spiritual realm, Jesus Christ. And I started to open up the Bible and I'll never forget one particular passage that just struck a chord with me that made me just kind of see things clearly. And I'll show it to you. Book of Matthew, Jesus said this, I felt like he was speaking to me. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. I was, I was going through that gate, 18 years old or so. And those who enter it are many. All my friends were going down it too. I, like I, all I knew was the wide gate. Physical pleasure, achievements, pride, arrogance, you know, all this stuff. Look what Jesus says next. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to, and this is the word that got me, life. That's what I wanted. I wanted to live and experience real life. Like I get what it feels like to have a new pair of Jordans. I do. It's awesome. But then the Jordans get old and you're sad again. I was like, there's gotta be something more than getting drunk at a kegger or a new pair of Jordans. I don't know why I was able to think that way at 18, but I'm like, okay, that was good, but here I am again, empty. Maybe there's, a not, maybe, maybe there's something else here. Maybe there's true lasting satisfaction. Maybe there's something that I was really made for deep down at the soul level. 
and only a few people find it. I'm like, what if I'm one of them? I don't, again, I don't know why I thought this. I thought, what, what, if, what if I'm just one of the few? Like, none of my friends are going this way. They're, they're all pursuing the smoking pot and this and that and getting drunk and having sex and all this stuff. But what if, what if, what if I was the one of the few that could like see, really see what was going on? I said, I'll just try it. And I reached out in faith and I asked Christ to be my savior. See, I already understood I was a sinner. I already understood I, I broke all the laws and I already, uh, my mom taught me that he died on the cross for my sin. I heard that at church, that he rose again from the dead to pay for the penalty that I couldn't pay. I already heard all that. I was interested in this right here. Life, joy, true inner peace, purpose, meaning significance outside of sports or accomplishments. Because that's a roller coaster, isn't it? Up and down, up and down. I wanted something lasting. Christ offers that to you today. So I'm going to say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. It's you reaching out to Jesus for salvation, for the forgiveness of sins. But it's also you reaching out for life in the kingdom. Life that you were designed to live in and thrive in. If you feel led to pray this prayer, I invite you, God invites you into this moment. Seize the moment. Step into it with faith and pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I want life. I'm so tired of chasing life in all the wrong places. Broken cisterns, broken places. And I'm turning to you today. Fill my heart with lasting joy, lasting peace. Give my life purpose. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, to cancel it out, to wash it away. I ask you to cleanse my life, my heart, my soul. Forgive me. Be my savior today. Fill me with your spirit down deep in my heart. Quench my thirst, satisfy my hunger. I turn my life over to you. Life in the kingdom is what I want. Where there is true joy and true peace and lasting happiness. Be my savior today. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give God glory today, church? Amen. You know, when I prayed that prayer or something like that, when I was 18, I had a friend put a Bible in my hands and gave me some instructions, and I was so thankful for that. So I want to be that friend to you today. Inside this box, there is a Bible with a reading plan, some information about how to get started on your journey, and there's also a coffee mug in here because, as we all know, uh, you have to drink coffee in order to grow spiritually. So we have one of those in here for you as well. If you text the word SAVE to 65248, you can grab one of these at the information desk at your campus. If you're watching online, give us a little bit more information. We'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory? Amen. Will you pray with me? And then I'm going to hand things off to the local teams. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this series. There is an unseen realm that we must navigate, and we need the sixth sense in order to do that. There are enemies 
and forces trying to block us from experiencing life with you, life in the kingdom. The devil, the flesh, and the world. Give us a wisdom, the wisdom to take what we heard today and put it into practice. That we might experience life the way you created us to experience it. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right now I'm going to hand things off to the